Welcome back to this week's episode of Rising Giants with your hosts, Max Thornton and Dom Kalusik. On this week's episode of Rising Giants, we have the pleasure of speaking with Vichit and one of Cambodia's most successful entrepreneurs, having started local e-commerce site Little Digital, also known as Little Fashion, digital media company Media Load, and now Groupin. Vichit has also led a successful expansion of his businesses into Myanmar through Myanmar Load and Malaysia with Groupin while fundraising for one of the largest rounds in Cambodian history. We really enjoyed this episode, and we hope you do too. Vichit, it's a huge pleasure to have you on the show today, and thank you for your time. We have a lot to go through and to talk about with your background founding Little Digital, or excuse me, Little, yeah, Little Digital and Media Load, and expanding group in into different businesses today. I think a great place to start is if you give us a little background of your early life and career. Uh, sure. Uh, uh, thank you uh, for having me in your podcast, uh, first of all. Well, uh, it's a very long story how I got started. We can just go back to the 90s if we, uh, oh, I have to choose the starting point. So I'm one of the first internet users in Cambodia. It was in, if I remember correctly, 1997 when I first uh, started using the internet. At the time, my eldest brother ran the first internet cafe. So I got a chance to use internet. And I was amazed by how people uh, could communicate with one another across the countries uh, so easily through uh, an email or ICQ at the time, like the first version of the messenger, IRC, Internet Relay Chat that I was able to chat and then uh, send. Uh, then when I finished my university, I went to the US in 2006 to pursue my master's degree uh, through a scholarship program. When I got there, I realized that the books tried to uh, get back some of the money I spent on buying the books. So I found the platform eBay and Amazon.com at the time to, to sell those books. Then I realized that, uh, yeah, I could make money <laughs> from selling books uh, in 2006 and 2007. The libraries uh, gave away some books as well uh, during some events. So basically I went there and then uh, collected a lot of books and put them on uh, eBay and Amazon to sell them. So that's what, that was the first time that I actually made money online. So I realized the potential. Then I went back to Cambodia after my master's degrees. And then I got a PhD uh, scholarship uh, to go back uh, to the US again uh, in uh, 2008. And I spent some time there doing study, uh, selling some books, then in 2010, it was a very good coincidence <laughs> to start my business. Because at the time, I wanted to buy a gift girlfriend, uh, now my wife. I wanted to get the best price for me, always like wanted to get the best price. So I did a searching and trying to get the wholesale price. Then I found some Chinese wholesale websites that require a minimum order of 20 pieces. I wanted to buy clothes for, for, for her. I didn't want to buy... Uh, 20 pieces, right? Uh, so I decided to uh, post photos 
from the wholesale website on Facebook. One day, I was able to get enough orders to meet the requirement. So I ended up uh, getting a free gift for uh, my uh, then girlfriend. Uh, so, uh, and I realized, oh, there was this big opportunity for me, just posting the photos and doing a tagging, uh, Facebook photo tagging, I can make money. So I try again, like posting you know, like uh, 50 photos. Then I got around uh, making like uh, around $250, like just posting a collection of photos on Facebook. So, and then I just, because I was in the US at the time too, just, uh, uh, I just used my, uh, my sister's uh, present in Cambodia to, to, to collect money from, for, from the clients, from the customers. Um, and then the customer that came to our house in, in Phnom Penh to, to like uh, close. So we didn't have delivery at the time. So that's how I started my uh, e-commerce business. So from uh, Facebook profile, we started establishing the Facebook page and then Facebook website. And then later on, uh, our shopping app uh, that's called uh, L192. That's how uh, I started uh, Little Digital or at the time, or also well known as um, Little Fashion. And uh, one year later, I started to try to find uh, another way that I could make money online. So I was asking myself what I could do to make more money online. So basically I tried to do searching, uh, uh, what people like doing on the internet in 2010. Uh, so I discovered that people like download music and uh, reading news reading content online. So I started Khmer Lo. So basically Khmer Lo means uh, Khmer download. So basically we have uh, songs uh, for people to download and we have uh, news as well for people to read. And we got a lot of traction back then. So within the three months we managed to uh, hit our first uh, 1 million uh, monthly active users. And at the time I decided to drop uh, music because we feel that uh, it would be very hard to convince uh, publishers cooperate with us because we were too small. So we just focused on writing uh, entertainment news. Uh, that was like 2011, uh, that when I started uh, my load, our entertainment portal. Fast forward to 2016, uh, I started to uh, looking for funding because I like reading tech news and saw people managing to raise a lot of funding. Singapore and in, uh, Indonesia, they raised millions of dollars. So I said, oh, I would do the same because I was quite successful uh, in Cambodia already. I would be able to raise this funding to expand to other countries. That's when I uh, tried to raise funding and fail. I sent an email to 50 regional VC. I was able to get on a call with only one VC, and then uh, they kindly, uh, politely uh, declined uh, to invest in my company because, as I said, that uh, uh, Cambodia is too small um, and we only have traction in Cambodia. So 
they were not sure that we would be able to replicate it in other countries. Then it was a big setback for me. Uh, then I said to myself, let me prove, let me prove to them that I would be able to scale uh, regionally. So I had uh, around $30,000, right? Um, so I decided to expand to Myanmar and Vietnam and Indonesia from 30,000 USD. And in Myanmar, in, in three months time, in, uh, within three months, actually, I managed to hit the first 1 million monthly, monthly active users, the same way that I did uh, with Cambodia. And then I started pitching again, and then we got a lot of interest from investors. So that's when I first secured my funding and my seed funding uh, from finance startups. And from then on, I started raising funding uh, for Group Inc. as a holding company uh, and uh, bid a load for, for our further round, like Series A round. Uh, uh, for middle load and uh, this year we're closing our city B round soon as well. That's like a story, like a very long story. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a I great... got to to where I am, like spending like uh, four decades already, right in the nineties, uh, the two thousand, uh, uh, yeah, twenty tens, twenty twenties, four decades of story. <laughs> no, that's an incredible story and. There's a lot to unpack in there. I, I think the first question that I want to, or the first thing I would like to walk through is in your earlier years at University of Michigan, can you tell us a little bit about what it was like building Little Digital or Little Fashion uh, at the time? And if I'm not mistaken, you built it with your brothers as well. Is that right? Sure, sure. With my brothers and sister. <laughs> and yeah, that's, that was the, the time I was doing my PhD. And at the time I was uh, teaching as well, like uh, it's called a, a graduate student uh, instructor, TSI. Or, yeah, or it's like a teacher assistant to the professors. It was a coincidence, right? Like when I started my little fashion, basically just wanted to buy a gift for my then girlfriend. But then I could make money, so why not <laughs> scale it? So I was in the US and my sister was in Cambodia and my second older brother was in Cambodia. He was doing a PhD as well. So he was in Cambodia for like a research purpose. And my uh, youngest brother, he's like, he's, he's very good at uh, uh, programming. I felt that we were the per perfect team. I knew how we could make money, right? Just posting pictures on, uh, Facebooks, but uh, in the US, we had uh, Amazon, eBay, and things like that, that we could actually do, replicate in, in, in Cambodia. Um, so we felt that we quite complementary. We had all the skill sets uh, to, to run this startup. That's how we actually uh, 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 focus a lot uh, in the early years uh, on building uh, this business uh, together. Uh, and we made a lot of sacrifice. Uh, like for me to uh, had to uh, drop out of my PG program to uh, focus on the business. So basically I'm a PhD dropout uh, 
school drop out as well. So um, then, uh, yeah, I, as I mentioned earlier, like we, we were feeling that uh, actually uh, it's a good time to, to make money on, on Facebook because um, there's a, there were a lot of users at the time as well, right? Around 200,000 users. And we were the first one to doing this kind of business. So we feel that it was the right time. Yeah. Yeah, that's, and it's really great, especially thinking about building a business with your family too and having that kind of camaraderie uh, and, and, ha- and building a successful venture and ultimately leading to the creation of Media Load as well. I think the next thing I'd like to talk about is when you returned to Cambodia after um, after university, what was the startup ecosystem like in the e-commerce sector? Was there, was there a lot at the time or were you kind of one of the few players that were there in the market? Yes. Um, yeah, I was actually flying back and forth doing my PhD program and then finally returned. Cambodia, uh, just to focus on my business after I dropped out my PhD program. So um, back then, there were very few uh, startups, and people were not quite aware of what a uh, startup is. And they were just making money, right? they just running as a business, like an internet business. That's what we call. And the ecosystem is, I would say, it was, was very early at the time. Uh, we, we didn't hear anyone raising anything. Raising. So yes, it was very early. So we just focused on running as a business. Uh, making money is our top priority, actually. <laughs> Not like I... Growing user, making money first, but at the same time growing user because when we, when we want to make more money, we need to grow users. So it was very early, and uh, there was no fundraising. Uh, people didn't know what startup is. Um, so yeah, it's it's quite different from uh, what uh, it is now right now. Yeah. Understood. And switching over to media load and diving a little bit into into your second business, what was your experience like growing media load and expanding that into other countries in the region and into into Myanmar as well and, and Vietnam? It would be interesting to learn a little bit more, um, as you mentioned before, how you had reached out to VCs for funding, but unfortunately, uh, we're not able to secure any until you you had this chip on your shoulder to say, well, you know what, I'll, I'll show you guys wrong and be able to grow and scale this business, not only not only well, but not only well, but also very quickly. <laughs> when we first started running the business, I, we focused on making money. Um, then when I realized that um, in, in, in a tech uh, startup uh, ecosystem, uh, we, we can raise funding as well. So yeah, when we try to grow our business, so I was thinking, okay, uh, why not just do the same thing 
like uh, other founders do in, in other countries, basically raising funding and then expanding to the other countries. But uh, unfortunately, uh, there was no like startup uh, success story in Cambodia. So uh, yeah, so the investors had the right to be skeptical of what we were trying to convince them. So yeah, my experience basically in Cambodia, we focus on what we're doing well in scaling. So basically uh, we um, try to be the best uh, platform uh, that provide uh, viral content, uh, entertaining viral content to, to our users. So basically we focus a lot on building our social media presence so that we can uh, distribute our content on Facebook at a time. So I feel that that model is gonna work in other country as well because Facebook popularity was uh, gaining great momentum at the time. So uh, when I started to think that, okay, without funding, we could actually expand uh, with our own money. So the first country that I picked was Myanmar because I feel that uh, Myanmar was quite similar to Cambodia during the time. And, and so I focus on uh, um, building the Facebook page for my media in Myanmar and also uh, working with young uh, talents, uh, young people, content writers in Myanmar to, uh, to deliver good content, good engaging content to our audience. So basically when I, when I expanded to Myanmar, so basically what I did was try to be the best on social media. So basically in terms of content, the most viral content in terms of social media page, basically we need to have a lot of followers. So that's what I mainly focus on. Um, then I realized it, it was working really well. We, and we were able to work really well with the local team at the times. And I didn't go there, you know, when it first started, I just like uh, posting uh, a job announcement on Facebook and then people apply. And then we got a few college students to write content for us. And I told them what to write, like, okay, you need to write this kind of stuff and then uh, check the statistics whether it's going viral or not. And we provide the right incentive as well. If you can make the content go viral, then you get a lot of uh, bonus. Um, so um, we, we were working really well with them and we were able to scale our business in, in Myanmar within a short time. I could manage to raise funding. So basically for me, if uh, people say no to you because they are doubtful to you, so you need to prove. So in the case of, uh, my business, I needed to prove uh, that I could scale. So I was able to do that. So uh, yeah, it was quite rewarding. Yeah, and it's not just like uh, we, we were scaling business to, to Myanmar. We, we did testing the market in Vietnam and uh, Indonesia as well. We have uh, five staff in Vietnam and then, uh, 
a few staff in Indonesia. So for Vietnam, we managed to scale to our first 1 million monthly active user in, in six month time. Um, and then in Indonesia, around half a million, I think, uh, half a million monthly active user with just a few uh, staff there. But the problem, was we, the problem was that we didn't have a lot of money. So we decided to focus on Myanmar because we were able to scale to our first million and then our second uh, milestone, there's like a two million monthly active user one month after the first million, things like that. So thing was uh, that it, it's uh, scaling faster, we're scaling faster. So we focus on being mass. Um, but it's quite a good experience. Just like uh, we were able to work with uh, many young people uh, and we feel that uh, what's working in Cambodia might be working in other country as well. Can you talk to us a little bit about the uh, situation currently in Myanmar and what that's been like running a business, you know, given all the uh, market developments there in the last few years? Yeah, uh, unfortunately for Myanmar, uh, it got hit by COVID-19, lockdown, and then dead on uh, the political situation that they have right now. So right now we try to keep our presence there, um, but um, many clients uh, cut down on their budgets. Uh, but for me, I feel that it, was, it, is, it is a good opportunity actually for the market to consolidate. So feel that um, probably uh, we'll be able to consolidate in the market and Yep, maybe uh, we'll be considering uh, uh, M&A strategy in, in Myanmar, but we, we're not going to uh, quit. We're going to stay, uh, uh, cut down the cost and spend on the right thing uh, and uh, looking for consolidations to, to strengthen our uh, leadership uh, in, in uh, digital media in, in Myanmar. So, of course, uh, there's a setback. Uh, we try to manage the cost, um, but we, we plan to do some M&A there to do consolidation. Okay, yeah, that's a very interesting perspective. I do think from some of the investors that we've talked to in Myanmar, I think that's a you know, very likely scenario that there's a lot of consolidation that happens for you know, because the country is going to go through a period where it's, it's no longer um, being looked at from, from uh, many investors. Just, just quickly, you talked about you know, expanding into other markets. So for, for some of the entrepreneurs and startup founders that will be listening, do you think the best way to do that is through M&A? Or do you think, like, is that an easy, easier way to kind of enter a market? Or do you, do you find it also equally possible to just go in and, and set up your entity there? Have you, have, do you have any perspective on that? Uh, for me, uh... We can use both strategies uh, depending on the the situation, right? Whether the M and A is a, a and more a more attractive uh, option to us in terms of price, like how how much it takes for us to build a business there, like in terms of the our operation uh, cost. Uh, as compared to acquiring a company, but 
uh, we need to trust the local team. Uh, if we acquire a company, they have a lot of connections. Uh, they, they are there already. Uh, and they have revenue for, for us already. Uh, but we need to pay a good price to, to acquire a company. Um, if we build from scratch, uh, uh, set up from scratch, then we need to recruit a team and usually it takes a lot more time. It may take one to two years for us to find the right team and find the right uh, market fit for our products. Um, so yeah, I think both strategies should be considered uh, depending on how good uh, the option is in terms of MA. Uh, and yeah, we, 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 in Myanmar, we, we expanded to uh, Myanmar for, uh, I think in, in 2016, uh, uh, from zero, we, we built a team and then we were able to scale. And then uh, recently uh, we acquired a company uh, a digital media company, uh, actually a 60% 60 60 stake in the digital media company in Malaysia to expand our business there. Because we feel that the team is, is a very good team and they have a lot of connections already. Uh, and it will save us one to two years in terms of the time. And as a startup, uh, time is a very valuable currency. Only when you, when we just get, just get started, then you don't have a lot of money. So you want to save the money uh, and you, you can actually take time to, to build. But once the company move into Series A, Series B uh, stage, then yeah, the company has uh, some money. So they, they, they might be able to uh, consider the M&A as well. Um, because they, they, they might be able to afford the MA. In the case of um, a middle load, yeah, we, we were able to afford that. And we, we said, we, we feel that it will probably save one or two years' time in terms of extension. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, just talking a bit about the, the overall business, um, it seems that during, you know, during COVID, you've managed to um, move into some other sectors and other like uh, business verticals, such as um, you know focusing on the influencer marketing. Can you just talk to talk to us a little bit about how you know all these kind of pieces fit together? Whether it's what you're doing in the uh, the e-commerce space, what you're doing to for lo logistics, um, as well as media and influencer marketing. Like how how do they all come together in building this um, sort of well diversified? Uh, internet company that's you know focused on a lot of different new and growing uh, parts of the digital economy sure max uh, that's a good question um so um for for our little digital basically e-commerce uh, business uh, we started with the facebook profile and then we move into facebook page website and the uh, app so then for the uh, our mobile app, we need to get people to uh, install our app. Uh, so 
then we have a lot of experience running the marketing campaigns in terms of getting people to uh, uh, install our app actually uh, in the 2018, 19, we had a lot, quite a lot of experience using Google Ads and using the uh, uh, influencers to influence people to install the, the app. And then we realized that uh, influencers are very effective. Um, yeah. And then uh, we realized that uh, in 2019 and, and especially in 2010, 2020, during the COVID-19 COVID situation, uh, uh, people focus on uh, going digital because uh, because we we and during the lockdown we couldn't go anywhere. Also, we cut down on our travel. Uh, even the lockdown was over. Um, so we we feel that uh, there's a business that we can make our uh, uh, working with influencers. Um, so that's why I set up my uh, marketing uh, agency, uh, digital marketing agency or influencer marketing agency. Uh, and that's how I got started. That was like uh, in the late 2019 and uh, the agency that, we, that I'm running is called Dream Team, Dream Team Agency. So Dream Team Agency consists a lot of uh, young, talented people, they, they're really passionate. And, and we, we are able to uh, deliver results for our clients. Because the idea is that um, uh, if we run Google Ads, uh, the ads are going to run on the website, uh, their, their partner's website, and um, YouTube channels. So for me, I feel that uh, we can do the same thing as well by working uh, with those uh, YouTubers, with those uh, Facebook creators. Um, we can give them a better rate as compared to Google Ads, uh, Google uh, um, uh, partner program in terms of the monetization. Uh, the influencer get paid way less. So we just ask them to do uh, what Google is uh, asking them to do, right? They, they create new videos um, and then they, the ads get placed uh, in their videos. Uh, but for us, uh, we, as, as uh, we can talk to them, uh, uh, we can get them to incorporate uh, brands into their storyline or the videos. Um, and then the, the, we feel that the, the effectiveness is way higher than that of the Google Ads. That's how we actually realized that we, we can scale this business. Um, so for me, then I focus on recruiting a lot of influencers and for some of them, we uh, actually work from, with them from, uh, from zero actually. They have no fans. Uh, we can actually uh, uh, help them to uh, gain followers and things like that. So, so far, I feel that from, from my experience, um, I feel that, yeah, it's a good business like, uh, because um, 
time for me is the uh, most valuable currency. Uh, we have a uh, limited time. Um, so, uh, so far we focus on capturing the time spent uh, from the users. And uh, now uh, for our agency, we able to generate around 200 million video views a month. So one video view on average uh, is uh, 1.5 minute spend uh, per user. So around 3,000, um, uh, not 3,000, sorry, 300 million uh, video views uh, spend. Um, not minute spend, sorry, not the video view, minute spend on our content a month. So around uh, 20 minutes uh, per person on a per capita basis, since we have uh, around a population of 15 million. So yeah, it's 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 going well uh, for us. Uh, we are able to scale, uh, we are able to pivot and, and, and we now uh, growing very well with our new business, the influencer business. That's why when we expanded to uh, other countries like Malaysia, we focus on the startup that doing the same thing as us. And so fortunately I found uh, that startup and, um, and managed to acquire significant stake in that startup. Okay, and what, what, like, what are some unique things about doing business in Cambodia versus like some of the other countries that you're now working in, whether it be Myanmar, Malaysia, it'd be interesting just to know, like, you know, what, you know, what dynamics that you've experienced in Cambodia are present elsewhere or, 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 the, or if they're not, like if there's any particular trends or like ways of doing business that, that you're now more aware of as, as you expand in the region. Uh, for me, I, I think uh, uh, each country is uh, different but uh, for the business model uh, i mean the, the main business model it can be scaled across countries it's just that the way we we work with uh, the 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 environments yeah the ecosystem in 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 each country like it, it might be different like uh, in in cambodia like when we uh, started our entertainment web portal business. Uh, we focus on uh, building a Facebook page and then uh, distribute content through our Facebook page. And it just worked the same uh, in, in Myanmar. And also I think uh, recently we acquired a company and then it's just the same thing, like uh, distribute content on the social media, mainly on uh, Facebook. They also, we need creators to create content, right, like a talented creator. So we need to find those people to create engaging content. Um, but in terms of like, uh, uh, like the, those talents, right, like um, how we, we recruit them, uh, it may be the same, but uh, the pay, the pay uh, rate is different across the countries. So we need to be like, okay, aware of that, like, what is the pay rate in Cambodia as compared to Myanmar, as compared to Malaysia. And for influencer business, it's the same thing. Like uh, we, we try to capture the attention. Uh, for me, the main KPI is uh, 
the number of video views generated each month and uh, the amount of time spent uh, by all the users. Like that's like the indicator, the key indicator that we focus on. And the mechanic uh, behind working with influencer might be different, right? Um, for Cambodia, like uh, we're working with some influencer and we're paying them in terms of the number of video views that they generate. And for some, they prefer uh, uh, just, uh, they, they just charge uh, per video posts. And in, in Malaysia, um, um, they, yeah, they, they charge per video post right now, uh, not uh, by the number of video views. Um, they do not do any guarantee, but uh, when we move into the market, uh, as I'm aware now that um, that's a thing that we're doing quite successful in Cambodia. So I think uh, it's, it's gonna work um, in Malaysia as well. So we do, we'll do a lot of guarantee uh, going to that market, delivering result for our client rather than the client saying that, uh, yeah, we, when we use influencer, we, we're not certain what we get. It depends on the variety of the videos. For us, no, we, we will deliver the result for our clients. Uh, and we, when we sign the agreement, we have some guarantee for our clients so that they can feel at ease rather than just use our influencer and then it's like a risky bet for them. Like it, it can go very well or it can go very badly. So for me, I think uh, for the main business model, um, uh, main strategy, it's gonna be quite similar, but how we're gonna work with the environment, ecosystem, it's depend on the countries in terms of the pay rate, in terms of negotiation, um, but uh, um, if the business model is, is really good, it can be scaled anywhere else. Yeah, and just just quickly, like dialing into that on the on the pay rates and the, you know, the cost of doing business. Like, how how does it compare? Cambodia, Myanmar, Malaysia, and how's that how's that developed over the uh, COVID situation? It'd be very interesting for um, some of these entrepreneurs listening that may be looking at these two markets as possible areas to expand into. Yes, in in Cambodia, uh, um, we pay uh, our staff. Uh, bit higher than uh, those in Myanmar, but uh, in Malaysia it's different. So it's a much more developed country. So we need to pay them really well, but at, at the same time, we can get a very good projects. Um, we need to pay like three times as much as we pay uh, our staff in, in Cambodia uh, for Malaysian market. Um, for uh, Myanmar, probably uh, we pay uh, to Cambodian staff like 30, 40% higher in terms of salary. Um, but we see the potential. Uh, they are like, um, there's a business that we can make out of it as well, because we're in a media business. That's why I want to, not just to expand to Malaysia this year, so we want to expand to uh, Singapore as well, and two other countries, and two other countries, India and, and Laos. For, for Singapore, we're working with a partner to set up a company there now, because we feel that the, 
uh, we have a cheap labor in Cambodia. For example, we do the video production in Cambodia, very good quality. And the salary of our crew is probably one eighth of the Singaporean salary. Right? So we feel that uh, now we're gonna set up an agency in Singapore that um, we gonna try to secure uh, projects like videos, uh, production projects from brands. And then we, we can fly our crew to do the shooting, right? We have one or two Singaporean directors there, video production director there, and we can fly the crews to Singapore and do the shooting. In that way, we feel that we will be able to offer a very competitive rate to our uh, potential uh, clients in Singapore. At the same time, we would be able to make a very good margin of it. So we feel that, yeah, when, when I'm running a business uh, in, in now, like in three countries, um, I feel there, there's something that we can do across the region uh, using outsourcing, uh, um, especially like uh, to Cambodia from the Malaysian projects, uh, possibly in the future uh, Singapore projects. So that's what I plan to do as well. Uh, yeah, so that, that's what we can uh, ex ex explore uh, in terms of the, uh, the differences in, in terms of wage. Great. And thank you for talking about some of these milestones that you do plan to achieve over the next years. And uh, just looking at the overall market and looking at Cambodia in the middle of this digital revolution that's going on in the country, how will Groupin look to continue to continue having this leading market share within the market as the business grows and matures? The most important thing is to keep up to date with the new technology and the global and regional trend. Because uh, because it's gonna come to Cambodia, right? What is like happening uh, in the developed countries is usually gonna come to Cambodia sometime in the future. So we need to be the first mover to take advantage of that. So usually for me, it's uh, about uh, staying ahead of the curve, and at the same time, as a leader in the as a leader in the country right now, one of the leaders in the country right now, uh, it's important to uh, to retain our talent. So that's actually a challenge that I have in, in, in Cambodia is basically try to retain our talents. Um, those that come to work with us, uh, they can stay with us rather than they go to work in the big corporation to get higher salary. So actually it's a big challenge. And we try to inspire them and tell them what they learn from us uh, later on will be useful for them when they run this, their own startup. Now we, we also have a, a program to retain them in terms of uh, uh, offering uh, some kind of like incentive that they can uh, get funding from us if they uh, work for, for us for two or three years and they want to do their own startup, they, we will provide the fund to them to do the startup because we feel that uh, uh, we, we like, like a university, right? So um, um, they learn from us and they can graduate from us and we can inv invest in them as well so that we can grow with them along the way. 
And another thing that we that I'm, I'm thinking right now, it's uh, it's it's a good, a good time for, for for my company to look for opportunity, some opportunities in the market in terms of the consolidation uh, to help uh, the ecosystem in terms of uh, investing in some other startup as well, that a promising startup. So to, to sum up it, uh, basically we try to stay ahead of the curve, uh, follow the regional and global trend, try to retain the talents um, by offering uh, a good uh, in incentive uh, scheme, especially uh, they can get funding from us after working for uh, two or three years for those talented people. And we plan to do some consolidation and uh, investment in uh, promising startups uh, in, in, in Cambodia and in, in, in other markets in the region as well. That's very interesting. So in a way, a bit of this venture incubator model that you're implementing within your business as well and working with different uh, employees and those that will go on to become founders of businesses that you would find to be attractive and would like to, to work and help grow with. And it would be interesting to have your perspective on what it is that you look for or would look for in founders for the entrepreneurs and and on and uh, business owners that are listening to our show as well it would be interesting to hear your perspective on what you would find as some of the key criteria or key characteristics that you would look for in a founder be honest any investment in Cambodia aside from the acquisition in Malaysia uh, but I've been looking around as well but I believe uh, because of course uh, I <laughs> Um, I'm doing quite well, so I feel that uh, the founder should be uh, similar to me. <laughs> 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 like looking for opportunity all the time, like how to make it work, especially how to make money out of the uh, opportunity or sometimes out of the uh, arbitrage, market arbitraging. Um, I, I look for the founders with some experiences in, in the industry that they're in. And those are bit, with a lot of connection. At the same time, they, they're willing to work on their project rather than just uh, spend a lot of time pitching and talking to people. Yes, they must talk to people, but uh, they must spend most of the time running business, um, doing trial and error, and making sure that they can make money in the market rather than just uh, having a business plan, but not actually uh, uh, making any traction or any money uh, from the market, but the, that's the um, that's the problem that I have. Um, is basically uh, to identify those founders because I'm not with them, right? So I just know from talking to them a few times, uh, probably if I I'm gonna run an investment company. But we don't get a chance to spend one or two years with them. So I feel that that's why I feel that it's a good opportunity for me uh, because I have a lot of talented uh, people working under me. And I, I realized as well, because I was the one that started this uh, uh, like social selling uh, business, the first one, right? And then I had a lot of staff uh, working for me and then on the 
they started their own uh, social selling business. Some were like, why successful? They make making millions of dollars actually. <laughs> yeah. So I feel that okay. Uh, uh, we we running a good university for social selling, and then and uh, later on they graduate and they make a lot of money. We feel that okay, there's an opportunity investing them as well. So for now, I I feel that okay, I'm running a startup university now. Like uh, those, they come. They get work experience. They get uh, um, some insights from me, and something that is really useful for them to to run their business in the future. So why don't just we uh, invest in them? And also, when I spend one or two years with them, and then I know clearly what they are, right? Whether they are quite similar to me or not. <laughs> They're quite similar, like. Uh, uh, down to earth, uh, find opportunity, try to get things done, try to make money, uh, train your trial and error as a part of the process. Then definitely I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in, in, in that. So that's why we have this program that they come to work for, for us for two or three years. And later on, we, we invest in them as they graduate from our program. Right. And this is the Dream Team Startup Program, which just recently came into, um, which, which recently was just rolled out. So if there's anybody that's interested in uh, applying or sending your CV, uh, we'll attach the email in the show notes as well, just so that we'll be able to have that on hand in case you're interested. So, um, and in particular, are there any sort of businesses that you would be specifically interested in investing in through this program or is it just a wide variety of individuals that have an idea that you would like to help and support uh for me i think we need to stay ahead of the curve uh, um the projects that are interesting to me right now uh, in the uh, crypto space, uh, although it's uh, yeah, it, it's not very good right now <laughs> for crypto holders. Yeah, I'm quite interested in the uh, metaverse or NFT uh, projects right now. That's what I'm gonna focus on uh, because it's gonna be big in the next five to ten years. So I fear that that's the projects that I will focus on, and if there's someone doing it and studying it and, and it's quite an interesting project. I'll be interested in investing in, in, in that project. So, so that's the, the industry, uh, that the tech industry that I'm quite interested in right now. And, but definitely for regional expansion, now I'm looking for opportunities that I can do a consolidation uh, in the region or so yeah actually i'm looking uh, um, to consolidate with with other startups in the region as well so that will be uh, another focus for me uh, going on this year and, and into next year yeah it will be a lot of consolidation because i need to expand to to other countries right? now malaysia gonna be singapore laos India and a few other countries. 
Yeah, and it's very interesting too because these sort of startup incubator programs, they're they they haven't really been put on in Cambodia as much in terms of actual like follow on like follow on investment and uh, in most cases it's usually that and a start a group of startups will go through a program and then receive some sort of small grant funding afterward but this is this sort of program is more of a investment slash hands-on working directly with the entrepreneur as well so that's very exciting to hear and and seeing um, hopefully a lot of successful candidates come through the program too yep i we have a couple of talented staff that uh, next year we plan to to launch their, their, their startup but actually they, they're working already on the project and the next year we have, have one uh, startup graduating from the program and gonna disrupt the the, the additional industry I cannot tell you right now what it is but uh, yeah it's gonna be very interesting. So that's that's what I want to do as well for Cambodia. So usually for me, like uh, I feel uh, it's a good thing that I can do for my country. Uh, for example, raise, raising uh, seed funding from the Silicon Valley-based uh, uh, VC, then going on to raise uh, the biggest funding, and uh, and then now expanding to the other countries, making sure that we uh, can be successful in other countries as well, so that we can inspire uh, young entrepreneurs to, to uh, think about regional expansion, uh, not just to think about uh, what we can do in our country, because, because uh, what's actually uh, kind of hurting my feeling at the time, because I got rejected, right? He was doing quite well, but then I see like um, in, in Cambodia, uh, when we uh, doing a business, uh, run a startup quite successfully, investors always think that you, you can only do it in Cambodia. So uh, the way that they value our company is not that high because they think of our company as a, a local startup, not an original startup. As it is different from that uh, in, in, in Singapore, right? Like when a, a startup founder is doing something in Singapore, gaining a bit of traction in Singapore, then they can raise funding uh, as a regional company because they say the market is Southeast Asia or sometimes it's like, uh, it's a global market. For Cambodia, it's just, Cambodian market. So it's it's very difficult for investors to invest in a, in the startup because um, the upside is not that high, right? If the, the market is only Cambodian. So probably it's it's a bit uh, okay yeah, just to raise uh, angel rounds. There, there's people to they're willing to participate, but when going to seed funding and then Siri and things like that. And they feel it's a risky bet. So if we can actually um, um, make sure that we have a few startups that can expand regionally, 
then uh, I think the, the investors may have a change of their mind and then they will uh, provide funding to other startups um, that uh, have the original ambitions so that we can have many other startups coming out of this and be successful in the region. Right. You have to have trailblazers that set the path for future startups to be able to to grow and expand to the region and be able to see that you know something like that is possible and you can do it successfully too. And it really feels as if it'll only be a matter of time that there's a lot of energy and a lot of excitement going around in the ecosystem. And a question I just want to ask you, and maybe a little bit contrary to, to you know, maybe what it has been in the past five, seven years in terms of um, trying to receive funding, but to what extent do you say Cambodia is the highest potential market in Southeast Asia? In terms of the population size, um, Cambodia is a, a small country, uh, but in terms of the mobile penetration, it's, it's quite high, it's very high, right? Mobile penetration and young people are ready to adopt the new technology and try new things. And the market is not fully mature yet. So there's a good, a lot of opportunities for people to, to uh, enter the market and then um, they are able, if they are able to scale, they will be able to uh, profit from, from that expansion. And I think uh, right now uh, for, for other markets, they're quite, they're quite congested like Singapore, Indonesia, Thailand, and Vietnam. They're quite congested and there's so many startups in, in, in their countries. So I think it's a good opportunity now if they want to expand. They, they may want to uh, come to Cambodia uh, because okay, they, they, they've been trying in their market already and expanding our markets and competing with the other uh, uh, players in the region already. So Cambodia is still, uh, Cambodian market is still early. And there's a, a lot of potential. Also young people are uh, uh, very tech savvy and there's a lot of, talents in Cambodia as well. Um, and the wage is uh, not that high in, in Cambodia. So they, they might be able to exploit the uh, labor wage arbitraging in Cambodia as well. Um, so this, this is a, a, a very uh, big potential uh, for local players as well as regional players. Uh, as in the uh, competing to get the market share as well as uh, investing in the local talents. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, thank you for that. I think um, fully fully agree that I think the, one of the unique things about Cambodia is just it's, you know, this in digital transformation that's going on whilst you're also having a, you know, very young population come, come of age and um, look at things in a much more entrepreneurial and digital way, which can can differ to like some of the other countries in the region that are slightly older and you know kind of already have their established businesses in place. So I think, yeah, I think it's very interesting for like for Cambodian companies to really start to um, to go regional and uh, start to compete 
just moving on to the last part of our podcast, um, just talking about a few um, areas of advice for other entrepreneurs and startup founders. What are some of the habits that you install in yourself on a day-to-day basis that keep you um, self-accountable and motivated for everything that you're doing and trying to achieve? So I spend a lot of time reading and especially staying uh, up to date with the latest trend and also I like to try new things as well, to, especially to keep myself uh, up to date with young people. For example, when uh, TikTok was coming to Cambodia, I tried using TikTok to see what's going on there and how I could uh, make money from TikTok. This is a new technology, actually a new platform. Uh, and it's quite disruptive. For me, it's, it's always like um, keep up to date with the trends, regional, global trends, and try new things all the time. It's about trying new things. Um, so in, in our company, we, we encourage uh, people to try things. We have a budget for them to try. Usually for me, I rarely say no, like when they want to do something, uh, at the first time, uh, they, I want them to try like, with a small button, things like that, to see that what we can learn uh, from, from that. Because usually uh, failure is, is part of the learning process. And without failure, there won't be success. So it's about trial and error. So we try 10 things, 10 things uh, yeah, we'll be, we'll be successful with one or two things. And that one or two thing will scale to be like 100 times um, so that we can actually cover our losses in the uh, failed experiments. So for me, it's always keep up with trend, uh, try new things, uh, uh, treat failure as part of the process. We do see quite a lot of that, like that that um, entrepreneurial culture in some of these companies. Um, it's but it's interesting to see that you're able to, you know, able to keep that going when when you when you reach such a scale that you've already reached. Um, I'm sure it can can be easy to like to move into that more like corporate big company kind of uh, culture. But uh, it sounds like you you're still putting in a lot of things in place so that you can really enable that innovation from from everyone. What are some of the most formative books that you've ever read? Whether that's, you know, things on, um, whether that's from from a personal perspective or or in, or in business. Be honest, I don't read books that much. I read a lot of uh, online articles, tech news. I read a lot of books uh, during my study, <laughs> in my PhD. Uh, yeah, for for uh, for me, I think. Uh, for the book that we related to startup, uh, I suggest uh, Zero to One by Peter Thiel. I think it's a good book to read. So it's about finding like a, a competitive advantage in a way that you can be kind of like monopolistic, that you have something that unique that the other don't have. So if you, you're not unique, if your, your product is not unique, then you, you have to compete 
with thousands of people and it's, it's not gonna work well. So we need to find unique propositions for our products that in a way that we can be uh, uh, quite uh, effective right, in, in scaling our business as we have, we tend to have like a market for ourselves, right? a market niche or a market for ourselves. So Zero to One by Peter Thiel, I think it's a good book to read. Um, but for most books I read, it, uh, um, I would say uh, in, in the, for the course book that, that, I, that I'm very fascinated by, um, I think mostly it's uh, from the game theory books. Um, because I was doing my economics, my PhD uh, economics, uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time reading game theory books. So basically, it's about uh, how we can actually uh, uh, manage our interaction with the others, um, and it's about the the setting, right? How to be successful, we need to know the setting, um, and each person that we interact. It's treated as a player and need to understand their, their incentive, their reward system. And so we need to uh, set up a mechanism in a way that can actually serve our purpose well in a way that it's also aligned with uh, those people's interests. So yeah, game theory books are very interesting to me. So, because I feel that Everything is a game. <laughs> Everything is a game that involves players, involves interaction, involves uh, rewards. Okay, and uh, do do you have any mentors as well? You you mentioned sort of uh, Peter Thiel. Um, are there any other people that you look up to for for guidance and inspiration? I would say that is the common name would be uh, uh, Jack Ma. <laughs> I got inspired by him, right? Uh, he was a teacher, so he was a teacher too. Uh, so uh, English, an English teacher. Uh, I started my career as an English teacher. So he's quite uh, down to earth. Um, it's about uh, helping the other people to be successful. Then you can be successful too. So yeah, that's the inspiration I, I, I took from him. It's about helping people uh, become successful and so that you can be successful too. Masayoshi's son, like the SoftBank CEO, like he's like <laughs> a big risk taker. So it's, it's really interesting. Like, uh, so I really uh, admire him for taking a big risk um, investing in Alibaba and probably earlier than that in Yahoo. Yahoo. Yep. And Quite, I have a, quite an interaction with my uh, investor as well, uh, uh, Kylie. Um, so he's the managing partner of uh, Fine Startups. So he told me that what you want to do is uh, basically you, you need to take advantage of the global and regional trend. So when there's a global trend, it's going to come to Cambodia. So you have to pick your, your role, like what you want to play in that role. You want to play as a user or you want to be as an, an operator of that uh, trend, of that business idea, or as an investor. So you have to pick your role. So 
which one you want to play. That's a very good, uh, very good advice actually uh, for me. Think like, okay, it's gonna come. So, which role I want to play? I want to run it or want to use it or, or basically I want to invest in it. So I need to play one role. So mostly I want to, if it's a good opportunity, I want to run it definitely for now. Yeah. And uh, what is the most important piece of advice uh, you've ever been given? Yeah, I just mentioned that. <laughs> Highly, I think managing partner of ISR, I think it's a good advice. It's about following your trend. Yeah, we know we, we're following a trend. And also, um, it's about a role that you want to play. So which one, which role you want to play? And it's also another thing that I'm, I'm inspired by, I think the quote I'm inspired by is by, by uh, Albert Einstein. Like uh, he said, like uh, the quote says, uh, insanity, uh, do the same thing all over again, and you expect a different result. So we need to learn to accept that if it's not working uh, for the first time and you try for the second time, it's not working, it's not gonna work, right? We should, we keep, we should keep lying to ourselves, like accepting it as a reality and trying new things. Um, and then when it works, we can scale it. So I think, yeah, Albert Einstein quote is really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, we really want to thank you for coming on Rising Giants today. We've we've learned a lot, and it's uh, it's just really interesting to to see and hear about all the all the different business verticals and and plans you have for the future to continue to to go regional and but also um, keep an eye on Cambodia and be investing here and 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 uh, enabling the startup ecosystem further. So thank you so much. Um, yeah, and uh, look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you, Max.